the doctrine of the origin of the body of the Lord Jesus. Amen. The doctrine of the origin of the body of the Lord Jesus. And Sister Hamlot will help me with the scriptures. So the first point I want to emphasize is the heavenly origin of the body of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 40. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 40. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 40. The Bible says there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. Praise God. Let's repeat that. There are also celestial bodies. Let me stop there for a moment. The word celestial is from the Greek epuranios. And epuranios means of heavenly origin or nature. Say that together. Heavenly origin or nature. Amen. So the Bible is telling us, the Apostle Paul is telling us, I'm putting the Greek word in the text there. He says, there are also celestial bodies. And according to the most cited uh, Greek, English uh, source that we have, James Strong, he says, Puranios means of heavenly origin or nature. So I have a question for you today. <laughs> Who do you think the Apostle Paul is speaking about? Because angels. Clearly, he's not speaking about angels. He's speaking about Jesus here. We know this because we will be building up the scriptures uh, with climax in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47. But let's build this slowly. So there are people who tell us today there is no such thing as a you know, heavenly body. Heavenly, Jesus has a heavenly body. Where did you get this from? Right here. Right here. Let us speak to people from the scriptures. Amen. We are not trying to defend some uh, church position here. We are trying to just declare the word of God. So Paul says there are also heavenly bodies. Amen. Can we say there are heavenly bodies? Praise Jesus. So the apostle Paul was building his argument to make a distinction between terrestrial or Earthly bodies. The Greek word is epidios. So epidios is earthly body. That means from the dust. And there is a heavenly body, epuranios, which means of heavenly origin or nature. So Paul begins this way. Why do you think he's talking about this? Paul, why are you trying to uh, contrast and compare a body in heaven and a body on the earth? Because Paul was beginning to talk and build his arguments towards putting on Christ, hallelujah, being changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We shall all be changed. Praise God. All of this. The moment a person thinks about going to heaven, you have to think about the heavenly body of Jesus. Can we say amen? 
if a person is not interested in heaven, then no problem. You don't need to worry about this debate and this controversy, the argument about whether the body of Jesus is from heaven, if it's of the word of God, or if it is of the dust. But if you are interested in going to heaven, praise God, then you have to begin by saying there are bodies celestial and bodies terrestrial. <laughs> praise God. Praise Jesus. So, once we accept that fact, that there is a distinction, there are two orders of lineages which are parallel. They never converge. They never mix together. They never mingle their blood or their, their substance together. No, no, no. The Apostle Paul makes this clear. We will be reading scriptures. Amen. In fact, we can begin with this climax of the revelation when he begins with bodies celestial, bodies terrestrial. Then we come to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 47. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 47. Remember verse 40, he begins by saying, there are heavenly bodies, there are earthly bodies. And now the climax in verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Praise God. Amen. You see, Adam's body was of the earth, while the Lord's body was from heaven. This is a biblical fact. Amen. When, you know, Paul is speaking about men, yeah? He's speaking about a body. He's not speaking about the spirit. This today's message is not about the spirit. It's about the flesh. So Paul says, the first man, we know who the first man is, according to the Bible. His name is Adam. He says he's earthy. The Greek word is koikos which literally means a heap of dust. Amen. And now, this is where the Christian world has a problem. They are willing to acknowledge that the first man is indeed of the earth earthy, but they are struggling. Their theology does not allow them to accept, to, 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 to continue with the, 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 you know, the logical argument here, to extend this argument logically by saying the second man. That means, who is the second man? What's his name? <laughs> Can we say Jesus? So Jesus is the second man. And we are speaking about the origin. How do, how do we know it's the origin? Why did I select this term origin in the title? I'm very careful, by the way, with the title. Because Paul is saying, talking about the origin. The first man is of the earth. In other words, if you want to know where the first man came from, his flesh is of the dust. And if you want to know where the second man's body is from, it is from heaven. It's Jesus. How much more clearer can the word of God be? Why is there confusion in the Christian world today? Because people have been indoctrinated by their churches to believe, no, we refuse to listen to the apostle Paul. We refuse to listen to Jesus himself. We would rather like the Pope because it was popes and other patriarchs who made up this doctrine that Jesus is actually a human being like us. 
he came into this earth and he mixed with uh, our uh, biology, physiology, whatever you want to call it, because they are so determined to make Jesus like us. They want to change God into their image. God have mercy. Humans have started to play God. Only God can make people in his image. We cannot make God in our image. But today, the Christian world, one of the last doctrines that needs to be changed in Jesus' name. And I always thank God. I'm always thankful every day for Bishop Teklimarium. Amen. God had to take me from Norway to Ethiopia. I always encourage people. I still read the book of Bishop Tekle as often as I can, refer to it. There, is, uh, in, there are incredible revelations. Amen. God had given this man a complete revelation of who he was, of who he is. So my duty is to be faithful to what God gave me through Bishop Teklemani. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Say praise Jesus. Amen. <laughs> I will always say this till I die in Jesus' name. So listen, he's a man who opened my eyes. I resisted. I did not want. I wanted to buy my ticket and leave. But reading his book, Bible Writer's Theology, my eyes opened three, four in the morning. I went running to his room saying, I got the revelation. I understand now. Jesus is not of the dust. The United Pentecostal Church and David Bernard, I'm going to speak very openly. I love them. I learned a lot from them. They have many good, great men of God. But they missed a great opportunity. Bishop Teklamariam, I remember, told me, I was sitting with him. He looked at his books, the green books. He sent them to the USA, to the pastors. He had faith that God will bring this revelation to them, just as they gave him the revelation about one God and baptism in Jesus' name. It was the United Pentecostal Church who gave these doctrines to Ethiopia. But God had one revelation through Bishop Teklamariam. In my opinion, one of the greatest revelations. I really cry till today for the UPC because I was UPC. I went from the UPC to Ethiopia. If I was not UPC, I would not know Ethiopia. Through the UPC, I went to Ethiopia and I received this revelation. And I want to quote some words from even the book of Bishop Mariam, and I encourage everybody here. Listen. We may leave organizations, but we don't leave the truth. We will always be faithful to the truth in Jesus' name. Listen carefully. Look at the statement from Bishop Teklamariam's book, uh, 1999, The Bible Writer's Theology, page 123. Christ is really the Holy Son of God. Can we say amen? (laughs) This fact is clearly established when we read the word became flesh. You know, some English translations have made flesh. Some have became flesh. They are the same. The Greek word is ginomai. Ginomai. Ginomai means was made or became. We will talk about this more later. Said, no man can prove the biological relationship of Christ with Mary's flesh and blood. Can we say amen? No man can prove it. Because God said in Psalm chapter 2 verse 7, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, what did he say that he said? Thou art 
my son, hallelujah, today I have begotten thee. So no human being can come and say that Jesus is their son. He's not the son of Mary. He's not the son of Adam. He's not the son of any human being. And he's definitely not the son of the dust. But he is a son of God. Can we say Jesus is a son of God? Amen. Son of God means he is of a celestial origin. I gave you a scripture for the doctrine we believe in. If anybody tells you this doctrine is not in the Bible, the word heavenly is not in the Bible, show them 1 Corinthians 15, 14. Epuranios, it means heavenly. There are bodies heavenly. I don't speak outside the Bible. I will quote a scripture and we will discuss the scripture. Amen. So listen carefully. Jesus is the son of God. This is what God himself said through the mouth of Peter in Matthew chapter 16. When nobody could answer and say who Jesus is. The father himself. Who is the father? The father is Jesus. The spirit that is in Jesus went. Thank God when no human being knows who Jesus is. Jesus will not sit and cry like Jeremiah. Jesus will not sit and cry like John. Because no man is able to open the book. No man is able to preach who I am. Jesus himself preached through the mouth of Peter and said, Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. I'm telling you, praise God, when the world refuses to preach who Jesus is, Jesus will catch somebody's mouth, hallelujah. Jesus will not accept the silence, hallelujah. He will explode the silence, praise God. He will smash the silence himself. He will catch somebody's mouth and Open their mouth and speak hallelujah. Just as he caught the mouth of Caiaphas. Just as he can catch anybody's mouth. Jesus will not accept silence in regard to the origin of his flesh. You can call yourself by whatever organizational name you want to call yourself. It doesn't matter. When you preach a false doctrine, Jesus will catch somebody's mouth. He will open it. Hallelujah. Whom do you say that? I'm? Whom do men say that? I'm? Whom do you say? When the world does not know. And it's quiet. When they are preaching a false doctrine, Jesus, you are the son of, you are Elijah, you are John the Baptist. Even when the apostles don't know, I am telling you, Jesus will open our mouth. Jesus will catch somebody's mouth. Does he not know who he is? Is he powerless to declare who he is? Hallelujah. Amen. He will open somebody's mouth. Huh? Jesus will, hallelujah, amen, make a coup d'etat of somebody's mouth. Ah, Jesus, sir, why don't you make a coup d'etat over my mouth in Jesus' name? Can we all tell him that today, praise God? When everybody's silent, Jesus, amen, please hijack my tongue. Hijack my mouth. Hijack my body in Jesus' name and speak whatever you want to speak because this is your temple, praise God. Amen. When we hear wrong revelations, please let us not be quiet. Let us open our mouth and say something in the name of Jesus with love. Hallelujah. Praise God. I jack my mouth, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. Make a kudiata. Praise Jesus. We need spiritual kudiatas. We are tired of these military kudiatas all over the world in Jesus' name. Maybe there's one happening in Sudan right now. We need a proper kudiata in the spiritual world in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Christ is really the Holy Son of God. Amen. No one can improve the biological relationship of Christ with Mary's flesh and blood in Jesus' name. Let's turn John chapter 8 and verse 23. 
John chapter 8 and verse 23. We have faith Jesus will restore all these cardinal truths, fundamental truths before he returns. We may be few, small, amen, but our God is big, hallelujah. He's able to spread this. We should not rest until every country in the world will download these messages in Jesus' name. Can we pray for that? That in every country, 200 and something nations, somebody will download the message somewhere, amen. John 8, 23 says, he said unto them, ye are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I mean, how much more plainer can Jesus be? Jesus Christ refuses solidarity with the human race. Jesus Christ refuses solidarity with the dust. He plainly declares that he's not even from this earth. Why do we try to force Jesus to be of this earth when he himself denies any affiliation, any association, hallelujah, any connection with this earth? He says, you are of this world. I am not of this world. Praise God. Amen. Praise Jesus. Let the words of Jesus sink into our hearts. Once again, the Apostle Paul dwells on the saving revelation of the origin of the body of the Lord Jesus. When he writes to the church of Colossae, the Colossian church. Let's turn to the book of Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. Colossians chapter 1 verse 15. The Apostle Paul says about Jesus, he says, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Praise God. Amen. There are two powerful truths in this scripture here. The first is the word image. In Greek, you can check these things for yourself. Amen. The Greek word for image is icon. Icon. And icon means According to James Strong, I'm giving you the source here in the text, James Strong says, icon does not mean to resemble only, to look like somebody, but it means to be taken from the same source. Listen to that again. Jesus is taken from the same source as God. And we say, hallelujah, amen. That should make everything clear. Say with me, the word was made flesh. The word was made flesh. Where is the source of the body of Jesus from? What is the origin of the body of Jesus? God. Hallelujah. The word of God. Amen. Praise God. This is what the Bible says. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Is the image of the invisible God. He's not in, made in the image of human beings. We made him in our image by saying that Jesus Christ took flesh from Mary. Jesus is the son of Mary. He's of the dust. He's our kinsman, redeemer, such kind of language, which is not found in the Bible. Let me put the word here, kinsman, redeemer. You see, this term is not found in the Bible. Please do a word search of the Bible. It will never turn up these two words together. So somebody has forcefully put these two words together, juxtaposed them together. 
And there is no warrant for doing this in the Bible. Because what these two words mean is that Jesus is our blood relative. Imagine, before we are born again, Jesus is having the same blood as us. In fact, he's our family member. So that's why he came to redeem us. Excuse me. Didn't we just read in John 8, 23 that Jesus said he's not even of this world? <laughs> Forget being our redeemer, our, our kinsman. Our kinsman means related by blood. Jesus says he has nothing to do with this world. Now talk about somebody being very distant from us. You know, so the distant cousin. He's not even a cousin. He's not even distant. Distant like nothing to do with us. Praise God. So the doctrines being thought in the world today about the flesh of Jesus are doctrines that really do not align with the understanding of the apostles. And that's why God raises up preachers and teachers like Bishop Teklamariam, like me now, sharing this, amen. Doesn't matter how much opposition we face. Did the apostles not face opposition? Hallelujah. Did the apostle John not face opposition? Even he was confronting false doctrine, but we will fight in Jesus' name. The truth of Jesus will go marching on. Hallelujah, praise God. So, we have to understand, when Paul says in Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, he's saying Jesus' body can be traced back to only one source, and that is the invisible God. He's the son of God. But listen to the second part of this scripture. There's a powerful revelation here. He is the firstborn of every creature. Say with me, firstborn. Prototokos in Greek. Firstborn of every creature. Excuse me, Paul, what did you say? Jesus is the firstborn of every creature. In what way is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ the firstborn of every creature? Listen, listen carefully. This is something even apostolic people don't really get this on sometimes. We read the scripture, but we're not reading it carefully. He's saying Jesus is the firstborn of every creature. That means whatever God created, Jesus is the firstborn. He is born before all of them. Wow. In what way? See, from the beginning of creation until this moment, Every creature was created out of nothing by the word of God from the dust and returns to the dust. Name anything you want. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 7. Let's put that scripture up. Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verse 7. The Bible says, then shall the dust return to the dust as it was. And the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So we know that everything returns to the dust as it was. But now the Bible declares something new happened with the body of the Lord. Something new happened. The Bible says the word was made flesh. John 1.14. The word was made flesh. This is an unprecedented event. Never happened before. Never before in the history of the created order. Did a body emanate from God himself? Amen. It's the first thing. That's why Paul says the first man is of the earth early. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Praise God. So 
God prepared humans body from the dust to live in this world. Yeah? Praise God. We are all dust creatures. Hello, dust creature. We can greet each other as dust creatures. Hello, dust. Hello, dust creature. But when God came to dwell or tabernacle in our midst, he prepared himself a body of his own word, begotten, not create. Are you listening? Amen. Please listen carefully. I'm using biblical words. It's very dangerous to go outside the word of God. God will not defend if we go outside. But every word I'm using very carefully. I'll give you scriptures. Let's turn to Psalm 2, verse 7. Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. Psalm chapter 2, verse 7 says, I will declare the decree. The Lord had said unto me, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Let the scripture speak to us. Now let's turn to Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. The gospel of Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. Where did this body come from? Whose body is it? Luke 1.35 says, And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing, can we say holy thing? Holy thing, which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Listen to the words of the angel. The angel should know where this body is coming from. He called it that holy thing. It's not something this world. Never before in the history of the world was a body called that holy thing. Because everybody from Adam has inherited sin. Today, when I was preaching in the church of Nepal, something interesting came to me, which I never preached before. I want to share with you. You see, I was talking to them about baptism in Jesus' name, and I told them, do you know why the moment the Spirit of God brings conviction, conviction to a soul, and they repent. Immediately, attention is drawn to the body. Did you know that? And I told them, when Adam and Eve sinned, what is the first thing that happened? The Bible says their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. Excuse me. What has that got to do with, with the, what happened? I mean, with the, or the state of their body. They were always, always naked from before. But you see, when the realization of sin comes, immediately the attention is drawn to the body. Praise God. So I was, I was telling them, that's why Peter, when the moment they were convicted, what shall we do? It's like now their eyes are open. Now we have to tell them you are naked. Your body is unacceptable in the sight of God. It's filled with shame. You need to... Bury it in the water in the name of Jesus. Praise God. So you see, the realization that there is sin. The moment we become cognizant of sin, attention must be drawn to the body. Hallelujah. That's why there is no Christianity which says, lift up your hands, repeat the sinner's prayer, and we are finished. God have mercy. Sin immediately brings attention to the body. Hallelujah. 
When Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? Attention is drawn to their body. Say with me, sin brings attention to the body in Jesus. When there is no sin, everybody thinks they are fine. Yeah, they go and put on the latest, uh, you know, fashion. They walk the catwalks of New York and uh, London and, uh, you know, Milan. But the moment sin comes, the best clothes by Versace or Hugo Boss or whatever you wear will not help you. Amen. Adam and Eve tried to stitch together fig leaves for themselves. You see, we human beings are always trying to do something with the shame of our bodies. We are trying to, to, to fix our bodies. Who talks? Eh? You know, let's look 20 years younger. Nothing will help us except God himself killing, amen, God killed a lamb. And our animal, it doesn't say that, but we know God himself committed the first, I was about to say murder. No, sacrifice. Say sacrifice. Who is the first priest? Who is the first priest who killed an animal? Say, my God himself. Hallelujah. Why are we ashamed to preach to people about why Jesus came and died for us? He's my high priest. He was my high priest in the Garden of Eden. He's your high priest, praise God, from the beginning. Who, when we were naked and ashamed, and he said, ah, oh, I can't even look up. I mean, look, they were ashamed, even though there were no other human beings around. It's just husband and wife. Why are you ashamed? Husband and wife is okay to be naked. What's your problem? No, no, no. God is seeing my shame. God sees that I have a body of sin. What shall we do? God has already sacrificed his own son, his own flesh. He is your high priest. Amen. Whenever we have been in trouble, he always came quickly to help us. Praise God. Cover your shame, amen, with the, the skin, the body that God will provide for you. Let's not try to make a body for ourselves. God has a body for us. He had a body for Adam and Eve. He gave them somebody else's body. And now he's giving us his own body. How do you like this, amen? Praise God. Isn't he wonderful? Ah, no wonder the apostle Paul used to take a break and say, oh, the riches of the wisdom of God. The apostle Paul was bursting with revelation. I don't know how the guy managed to stay calm. How did he manage to sleep with all these revelations? You want to jump up and shout, praise God. This is powerful. Amen. Listen. Sin draws immediate attention to the body. I'm naked. Praise God. I, if somebody's listening to me today, if you have downloaded this message, I'm telling you, if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, listen. I say with love, just as I said today to the church in Nepal, you cannot just hear anointed preaching. People who are filled with the Holy Ghost and are called of Jesus to preach. When we preach, something will happen. The Spirit of God will begin to make you realize that you're a sinner. And the first thing that happens is you will realize you are naked. And then you will try to hide your shame. You want to do something with your body. And God has blood. Without blood, there is no body for you. Amen. Without Jesus's blood, hallelujah, we, we could not put on the body of Jesus without the blood of Jesus being shed. Hallelujah. God himself gave his life for us. And he gave us his body to cover us within Jesus' name. 
Amen. Why don't we stick with these beautiful revelations of the Bible? Amen. Stick to the truth and God will bless you and give you souls. Amen. Edify people with the truth of the word of God and God will bless you. So listen, sin brings attention to the body. You will realize you are naked. When you hear the true preaching of the word of God, you can't sleep even in the name of Jesus. You are going to suffer because you know you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you are baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you are not baptized. These are not names. These are titles. If I go to the airport on Tuesday and say my name is Father, I'm risking being arrested. My name is Son. My name is Holy Spirit. No such thing. What's your name? In John 5, 43, Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. The Father's name is Jesus. Hallelujah. The Father has only one name. Stop saying, Father, Father, Father. Say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The Father has a name. Imagine somebody calling me today, uh, Mr. or man, man, man. After some time, I'll get offended. Excuse me, I, I think I have a name. My name is Paul. God also must be getting tired of people saying, Father, Father, they say, uh, I have a name. Use my name. His name is Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. He said, I've come in my father's name. The father said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Ah, and he's telling us he came in his father's name. We're not listening. We're saying, Father, Father, in Jesus' name. And God have mercy. We have to bring this father thing to an end in Jesus' name. We need to use the name of Jesus. Praise God. Let me continue. Amen. So, so far, talk to you about the fact that the body of Jesus is celestial. It's heavenly. We've talked so far about the fact that the body of Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. It is not made in our image. Amen. It has no, uh, it does not have a shared ancestry with us. It is of the word of God. Let's stick to what the Bible says. When we go outside the Bible, we run into trouble. Now, also the Apostle Paul made it clear. The first man is of the earth early. The second man is the Lord from heaven. How much more clearer can he be? Let's even put up Philippians chapter 3 verse 21. If these scriptures are not clear enough, the Apostle Paul makes it even more clearer. In the book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21, the Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus is going to Change our vile bodies. How about that? He calls it vile. Listen to what he says. Who shall change our vile body? Did I not tell you that the gospel is not being preached? Do you know how the gospel is being preached? Because after some time, attention will be drawn to the body. That's the gospel. Amen. So he says, who shall change our evil bodies? How about that? Our body is called evil. Make no mistake. That's why we tell people, if you are not baptized in Jesus' name, you risk the, you, you already have the anger of God upon you. It's not that God hates anybody, but he hates this evil body. Just as he did not like the nakedness of Adam and Eve and told them to cover it with a body that he himself, uh, from his own creation, 
gave to them because this, these animals were pointing to his own body, that he himself will come and cover our shame. Somebody who refuses to be baptized in Jesus' name is somebody saying, telling God, listen, uh, I like this evil body and I don't, really don't care that you are angry with this. Do you want to go to hell? No one wants to go to hell. He says, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body? Notice the difference. That which is of the earth is vile. That which is from heaven is glorious. Jesus had a glorious body. The United Pentecostal Church and David Bernard were teaching and are teaching that Jesus came with a body which could not go to heaven. Can you imagine what a, what a sad teaching is this? I have the quote. They removed it from the internet. Jesus had a body which could not enter heaven until after the resurrection. They believed Jesus had to change. This proves that they believe Jesus took our corrupt body. They are believing in a body of Jesus which is corrupt. God have mercy. I, I feel it's blasphemy to speak this way about our Lord. Let's turn to John chapter 1 verse 18. What does John chapter 1 verse 18 say? It tells us we beheld his glory. See, in verse 14, he said, the word was made flesh yeah, and dwelt among us. Sorry, yeah, let's look at verse 14 and then verse 18. Don't listen to Brother Paul, listen to the scriptures, amen, praise God. Don't listen to some big leaders, some big organizations, amen, listen to the word of God. Otherwise, we'll end up in false doctrine. So, 1 John, verse 14, and then, sorry, not 1 John, John, the gospel of John, 1, 14, and then John, 1, 18. So John, 1, 14, John, 1, 18. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Excuse me, just more. When, when did you behold, behold this glory, John? Was it after the resurrection when Jesus' body changed? No. He's saying here, the word was made flesh and we be dwelt among us. So when did you behold this glory? When John met Jesus, he's saying, I beheld his glory. Did, was John not there on the high mountain in Matthew chapter 17 when Jesus was transfigured? That's when he also understood there is a glory in this body. I ask you, do you know of any earthly body that shines like the body of Jesus? I know many human beings would love to believe that they shine, that they are scars. They call themselves scars, super scars, some of them. But none of us have any star power in us. Our bodies are vile. Our bodies are evil. We should be humble. We should be ashamed of these Adamic bodies in Jesus' name. But the Bible is saying, the word was made flesh, dwelt among We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. So what kind of glory did he have? The glory of the body of Jesus. He's not speaking about the spirit, please. He's not speaking about the spirit. He's saying this glory is the glory of the only begotten of the Father. The Greek word is monogenes. Let me put this in the scripture. There is a powerful revelation even in this word. This term here. We were speaking about this to the pastor in Nepal. showing him. The Greek word for only begotten son is monogenes. That means, according to James Strong, 
There is no one else who is of the same kind, same talk, same race, of God as Jesus was. It's not my words, James Strong. He said, this is the meaning of the Greek. Mono means only one. God has only one body, which is of his, hallelujah, origin, of him, of his nature. It is the body of Jesus. This is not simple words in English. Those who speak English, you know what I'm saying. Somebody says, I'm of Scottish stock. I'm of uh, Nigerian stock. This, that means lineage. We're talking about blood. So the Greek word is powerful. Jesus is monogenes with the Father. Nobody else is monogenes with the Father. So how do you go around saying Jesus had a body which basically could not even enter heaven? It's a body that, because it is human, like ours, of the dust, it could not enter heaven. Then how, how is Jesus the savior, by the way? How, who is he saving? Was his name not Jesus from before he was born? Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He had salvation before he came. When he was born, when he grew up, he always had salvation. In Jesus' name, praise God. His name, hallelujah, means salvation. So we need to get this correct in Jesus' name. Monogamous. Jesus did not change. If he changed, he's not God. Listen carefully to me. We'll be sharing something a bit later. Don't say something changed in God. God cannot change. He said, I'm the Lord, I change not. Amen. He didn't change. God was manifest in the flesh, brothers and sisters. First Timothy 3:16. Panero, which means the invisible showed itself as visible. Amen. God does not change. Jesus is the same God. He said, unless you believe that I am. The Jews could have said, but, but how can we believe a man? See, God does not change. What he did is to manifest himself in flesh. Praise God. God is the same in Christ. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't say God changed. Let's continue in the second part. I want to somehow elaborate on this teaching. Sometimes we get the revelation better when we address it from other angles, especially something which is not correct. Amen. Let's not be afraid of something which is incorrect. It will only help us. It will only make the truth shine brighter. Amen. Say it. Error will only make the truth shine more brightly. Praise God. You know, there's a German linguist, uh, Goethe, Goethe. He once said, if you only speak your language and you don't know any other language, then you really don't even know your language. So sometimes if we don't know the error, we, may, we will not even know the truth. Amen. If there is a truth, there is error. So let me begin. And this way, I'm not sharing this to attack anybody. We can ask questions later. But I just want to make something very clear. Amen. Doctrine is salvation. We don't compromise. We don't joke with doctrine. Amen. And I want to go on record also about what Brother Paul believes. Amen. You know, the devil is working always. The, the lies, they go halfway around the world before the truth can put on its trousers. I've always said this. And I'm always amazed how 
people can accuse me of strange things which have nothing to do uh, with what I believe in. If you want to know what I believe in, listen today in Jesus' name. So the first thing is, God was not made flesh, but the word was made flesh. Amen? Begin with this. I will address two misconceptions. The second one is, the spirit, God cannot die. The Bible never says God died. The Bible never says God was made flesh. Let's not say something which the Bible never said. We are in danger of changing the word of God. And I cannot say amen to such a doctrine. Even I will not fellowship with such a doctrine. Listen to me carefully now. Brother Paul is straight. Brother Paul doesn't joke with anybody, but I love everybody. And you will know what we believe in. Listen, God cannot die. But God's body, his flesh and blood died. He poured out his blood. That is how he died. Death is in the blood. Amen. Not in the spirit. So let's get some things clear. And way. if you want to know what Brother Paul believes, my books are out there, by the way. Uh, people have been reading it for many years. How come they're now saying he believes in something strange? I never change anything. I'm always preaching. It's all recorded. You know what I believe in is that. Let's talk about it. Amen. The first thing is, God was not made flesh. Say this is wrong. Don't say this. You are in a false doctrine. John 1.14 says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. Say what the Bible says. If you say God was made flesh, I ask you, where is this in the Bible? And you will not find anything. Then you are adding to the word of God. It's dangerous. Please listen to us. We have been teaching doctrine for many years. We left the UPC because of doctrine. We have been teaching. We have been training people. We have been writing books. We haven't changed anything. Please listen to us. So the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me also go on record on saying, if you want to know what I believe in, I believe exactly what Bishop Clemarium taught me. Nothing more, nothing less. Everything he believed, I believed. Nothing more, nothing less. Listen carefully, tell everybody. Amen. So the Bible does not state that God was made flesh. We cannot change the words God chose through the Apostle John. Amen. Can we choose better words than the Apostle John? Are we greater than the Apostles? Never. So that once we make this clear, then I can explain to you. If you say, why can't we say God was made flesh? I will tell you. If you say God was made flesh, then you are inviting the interpretation that God, who is actually spirit, according to John 4.24, Became flesh in his entirety. That means everything that is God, including his spirit, now is only flesh. There is no more spirit. This is what you will be saying. Amen. Somebody may say, I didn't say this. This is the interpretation. You cannot escape. I'm telling you from my mouth. Amen. So don't say that because that's how people will interpret and they will accuse you of false doctrine. It will be difficult to come out of. So listen. Also, when you say that God was made flesh, you are implying that God can change. This is plainly incorrect as it reduces God to a mere body. That means everything that is God, God who is everywhere. Suddenly now is only in a body. 
That's what you are saying when you say God was made flesh. So who or what is the word of God? Let's talk about this today. While John states that the word was God, he also declares that, and the word was with God. Are you with me? The Bible says the word was with God. When I'm speaking, I'm using scripture. Greek, kaihologos and prosteos. Amen. Pros, theo, uh, prosteos. That means the word was with God. Listen, Kathleen. The word of God is really very special. The word of God can create something totally new, but at the same time, it can be made into a body because John declares the word was made flesh. Are you with me? So far, so good. Praise God. See, the word can create out of nothing, but at the same time, the word was made flesh. So this is very special when you look at the word of God. So this is why the Apostle John is very careful with the language he uses. He didn't say God was made flesh. You can say God created something, but you cannot say God was made something. You have to say the word was made flesh. And you say amen. Am I, am I speaking Bible or outside the Bible? Praise God. Say amen. Praise God. Write amen in the text. This is what we believe in. Amen. We are not leaving the Bible. Praise amen. God. Amen, brother. Please be careful with this. You will run into danger. Amen. So the word of God can both create something totally new and it can be made into a body because the word was made flesh. Don't you think John knows the difference between word and God? He knows. Why did he choose the word was made flesh? He did not say God was made flesh. Don't, don't, please, we're apostolic. Don't, don't go somewhere else. We're in danger then. Amen. So. The word operates in ways that uh, we cannot fully understand. Our job is to just say amen as it's written in the Bible. So understand, God says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Let's re register this. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of God are not consumed. See, God is saying he does not change. Praise God. If you say God was made flesh, you are saying God changed. But if we say the word was made flesh, you are saying what John is saying. The Bible does not state that God was made flesh, but it emphatically declares that God was manifest in the flesh. First Timothy 3.16. So God can be manifested. That means he can show himself in the flesh, but he can never be made flesh. Please don't believe in such a doctrine. It's not from God. We will uh, say, no, 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 no. Amen. Praise God. People are free to believe it, but we don't uh, joke with something which is not from God. Amen. But we will love you, but we will correct in Jesus. name. So listen now. We need to make this clear. Let me again quote no, you will say stick to the Bible. Uh, yes, but uh, I would not be with you. I will not be in this doctrine if it's not for Bishop Tekamari. So let me quote some more writing from Bishop Tekamari. Okay? Uh, sorry, that was a lot. Let's just let me take firstly the first part. The first part, 
the citation from the book. I encourage everybody, if you want to know what we believe in, please read the book of Bishop Tickley. This book, God has to take it to the whole world. That's also my mission in Jesus' name. Praise God. Listen to what he said here. On page 123, Bishop Tackley wrote, the word was in God. Please listen to what God revealed to him. The word was in God. Huh? And was God's word from all eternity. At the appointed time, the word of God became flesh in order to reveal the Father. God the Father indeed became Emmanuel, the spirit in flesh and blood. Amen. These are biblical language. This is biblical words. The word is in God. Listen, when I'm talking to you, my word is in me. Yeah. And I cannot make my word create anything. I cannot make my word become anything. But God's word can do this. Praise God. Amen. So, the word is God, but the Bible does not say God was made flesh. You cannot make God into something. It's blasphemy to say this. It's blasphemy to say God was made flesh. Who made God flesh? God made his word flesh. But who's making God into flesh? Can anybody make God into anything? If you say God was made flesh, who made him flesh? He made himself flesh. It's not there in the Bible. Let's not say something which is uh, not from the apostles. We are apostolic. We don't say something which the apostles never said in Jesus' name. I will never go down that road. Amen. So we need to be very serious with this. This is uh, very important. We need to solve this once and for all. Now, the next one says uh, another statement from Bishop Clemarium. And this statement is very clear. It's saying, he says, However, whilst there are outer and inner natures in God, listen, there is outer and inner, spirit and flesh. There is but one person. Amen? Can we say one person? But please do not mix spirit and flesh. Spirit is spirit, flesh is flesh. Amen? Listen to the last sentence of Bishop Tekle. The attributes of the flesh are not to be attributed to the spirit. Please underline this. This is what I believe. This is what the apostolic church should believe. Don't confuse the attributes, the characteristics of the flesh with the spirit. Amen. Praise God. When Jesus died on the cross, the spirit of God did not die on the cross. You cannot say God died on the cross. Why? The Bible says he gave up the ghost. That means he released the spirit. The spirit can never die. God cannot die. It's blasphemy to say God died. No place in the Bible says God died. Let's be careful. What you preach will destroy people. You don't preach according to the word of God. The spirit left the flesh. The flesh can die because the blood was poured out. Amen. You're right, Brother Agape. They're very good. Thank you. The flesh is not omnipresent. I wrote this. It's part of the message. The spirit is omnipresent. Don't confuse the two. Amen. 
The body belongs to God. It's of the word. Amen. But there is more to God. Uh, is Brother Paul only his word? Um, are you going to reduce me to my word only? This is a mistake we make. If we say God was made, made flesh. If we make everything into flesh. God is spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. You know, you can record my voice. Tomorrow I die and I go. But my word is still here. Amen. People can still listen to my word. Word is very unique. Yes, the word was God. But it's not everything that is God. I, uh, listen now carefully. Why? Because there is spirit also. The Bible does not confuse the two. Praise God. If the Bible says spirit, say spirit. If the Bible says word, say word. If the Bible says flesh, say flesh. Don't collapse everything and make it into one. It's not biblical. The Bible says study to show thyself. Amen. Approved unto God. Rightly dividing the word of God. Let's please. I say this with love. Amen. I, for us, doctrine is everything. If we mess up with doctrine, we have nothing. We stop traveling. Amen. So, the attributes of the flesh are not to be attributed to the spirit. Please listen to that. The attributes of, let me just uh, take this part. If somebody says, I don't believe in Brother Tekle, God bless you. I, we, you don't have to believe in Bishop Tekle. Uh, but he was my teacher. He was my theologian. Everything I know about theology, the depths I learned from him. I will never lie. I don't believe in uh, hiding who blessed me. I don't believe in that. I give credit to everybody who gave me blessing in Jesus. name. I would not know the word of God properly without him. I am telling you, he was my teacher. I believe everything he was teaching. Amen. He says here, attributes of the flesh are not to be attributed to the spirit. Amen. Can we say amen? If you believe, say amen. <laughs> amen. Right, amen. We don't take that which belongs to the flesh and make it for the spirit. That's another doctrine. I never believed that you can mix the two. Spirit is spirit. Flesh is flesh. Don't mix the two. Don't make the two the same. They're not the same. If the spirit is the same as the flesh, then God does not need to come in flesh. Then the spirit should have blood from the beginning, but the spirit has no blood. That's why the, the Holy Ghost came upon Mary. That's why God had to have a flesh. God is spirit in the beginning. He has no flesh. Don't reduce God now to flesh. He did not have flesh before. He did not need a body. He doesn't need blood. Why did he come with a body? So that he can have blood in that body. So that he can die in that body. But the spirit can never die. Amen. He died a normal death like everybody. Praise God. There is no difference between the death of Jesus and our death. Death is death. What's the difference? Death is separation of spirits from the flesh. Don't, uh, we can't make another doctrine about his death. It's dangerous. So, the attribute of the spirit is not the same as the attribute of the flesh. And uh, God bless you, my brother uh, uh, Agape, because 
the next sentence, I'm from my text which I prepared. The same thing he put in the text, I am putting here to show you what I wrote. Let's read it. In other words, God cannot be changed, but the word of God can be changed. Listen carefully. God is all-powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing, omniscient, and everywhere at the same time, omnipresent. See, God is all these things, or everywhere except. The body of God was not all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere at the same time. It died on the cross. It was helpless. It was immobile. It could not move. Joseph of Arimathea had to carry it. And the Lord himself said he could do nothing without the Father. So please listen. Don't confuse the two. God is one. He's one person. But if you are making all of God into flesh, the whole Bible does not make sense. So God is everywhere. At the same time, he's all powerful. Amen. But you cannot say the same about the flesh. Jesus himself said, I can of myself do nothing. He said, destroy this temple. That means you can destroy the body. You can destroy the flesh, but you cannot destroy the spirit. He said, in three days, I will raise it up. Who is this I? If God is made flesh, is the flesh raising himself up? Huh? Who is speaking? Is, uh, is, is God speaking as spirit or is he speaking as flesh? Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing as I see the Father do. Praise God. Amen. This doctrine is not to make Jesus into two. This is in agreement with what we learned from Bishop Tackley. We never change it. Somebody will say, I have a new doctrine. Tell me that. Then it's different. But we, I don't have such a new doctrine. I believe in this doctrine. I am struggling to take this doctrine to the whole world. I beg you in Jesus' name, don't go into false doctrine. Stay in the true doctrine. Amen. Otherwise, God will leave us. The glory of God will leave us. John 5.19. Let's look at the scripture in John 5.19. John 5.19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son, please listen. That means, what is the Son? Say the word was made flesh. The flesh can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what soever he doeth, he also doeth the Son likewise. Praise God. Amen. This is biblical teaching. That's why Bishop Tekle said, do not confuse the attributes of the Spirit with the flesh. Furthermore, God prophesied through the prophet Isaiah, that he would raise believers up from the dead together with his dead body. Ah, if you believe in this doctrine that I am trying to correct, what will you do with this scripture? What will you do with this scripture? In Isaiah 26, 19, it says, Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body shall they arise. Excuse me. Hallelujah. Amen. Please, let's put back the other scriptures. It's Hymenot, uh, Isaiah 26, 19. Isaiah 26, 19. Please, let's get back uh, Isaiah. Okay, let me put it again in the text. Please follow. Please don't comment. Don't write anything for a moment. Everybody stop. Uh, okay, thank you. Everybody stop writing. Stop. Just look at the scripture for a moment. Let's read it together. 
I know some Bibles have their own translation. Uh, I've looked at the Hebrew. I'm satisfied. The King James Version in English that we use has the correct translation. Listen to what it says. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. Ah, hallelujah. If God himself is saying his body is dead, how can you say something else about the body of God? How? Are we going to contradict God himself? Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body, shall they arise. Awake and sing ye that dwell in dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Jesus had a body. When we say Jesus, yes, we are speaking about one God. We don't, no human can separate God from his flesh. Only God did it. Amen. On the cross. Never again. Jesus said, I was dead. I was alive. Then I was dead. And then I live forevermore. Amen. I have power to lay down my life and take it up again. Destroy this temple. See, please make a distinction between flesh and spirit. Uh, we make distinction between our own flesh and spirit. Does it mean we are two people? My flesh will go to the earth. Yeah. But my spirit goes to God. Does it mean I'm two persons? No, I'm one person. But are you going to make my flesh into my spirit? It's wrong. Impossible. There is a spirit and there is a flesh. Amen. Give to the flesh what belongs to the flesh. Give to the spirit what belongs to the spirit in Jesus. So God is saying, thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. The God who is speaking is not dead. He's alive. You cannot say God died. God never died. His body died. My dead body. Praise God. Hallelujah. He will raise it up. He begat it. He left it on the cross. And he came back and resurrected it. Praise God. This is the biblical. Thank you. You may comment in the praise God. So let's continue now. Let's look at the second one now, which I already talked about a bit. God, the spirit did not die, but God's body, flesh and blood died. Amen. Did Jesus die on the cross? Absolutely, yes. Was there a difference in his death compared to other human deaths? No, no. Death is the same for all, spiritually speaking. Death is the separation of the spirit from the body. That is death. It says now in John 19, verse 30, just come up, John 19, verse 30, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. See, he gave it up. He's God. He decided to die at that moment. Amen. The Lord Jesus died the same way that others died in the Bible. Please let us say Jesus died. And he rose up the third day. Let's not add to the Bible. In the same way we die, Jesus died. Genesis chapter 35, verse 29. Genesis 35, verse 29. Genesis 35, verse 29 says, And Isaac gave up the ghost and died, and was gathered unto his people, being old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. See how clear it is. Bible definition of death is the same. For everybody, including Jesus, Isaac gave up the ghost. Amen. And died. To 
question, change, or explain away the death of Jesus is very dangerous. Jesus died is a cornerstone teaching of the Bible. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. I will conclude. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 says, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Amen. He was raised from the dead. Amen. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore, and, and have the keys of hell and death. Let's say what Jesus says. Let's teach the word of God and pray to have understanding to comment according to the word of God, and God will bless us. I want to conclude with some more words from Bishop Kelly, I feel in my spirit in the future to do another study. I did it once of the whole book of Bishop Kelly, 15, 17 years ago. It's time to have another study using his book. I know he had a very great burden for this book because everything he knew about Jesus, he put it in that book. Let's read it. Did God, in brackets, the spirit die? Bishop Tekle, this is from Bishop Tekle's words. By no means. God, the spirit cannot die, but Christ's body, his flesh and his blood, that is soul, died on the cross to save the world. And we say, amen, hallelujah, beautiful. And the life of the flesh, which is the soul of the flesh, is the blood. So when the spirit, when the, let me get it again, there were comments in the section there. Uh, let me read it again. Uh, did God the Spirit die? By no means. God the Spirit cannot die. But Christ's body, his flesh and his blood, soul, died on the cross to save the world. And the life of the flesh, which is the soul of the flesh, is the blood. So when the Spirit, that is God the Father, separated from the flesh and blood of Christ, both the flesh and blood died and was buried in the grave until the Spirit, God the Father, raised it up. Amen. Acts 2, 24 and 32. Praise God. Bless you. Thank you for hearing me out. Amen. I'm not saying this personally against anyone. I'm saying this because we are called, the Bible says it is the leaders of the church. It is the ministers who are supposed to correct, who are supposed to look at doctrine issue, the issues of doctrine, just as it was in Acts 15, just as Paul told Timothy that he must Correct the doctrine. I am doing my duty as superintendent of the church. Amen. Jesus alone is God. Church of Europe. Amen. Uh, let it be a witness that today I have done my best to address and to correct anything which comes to my ear, which is not from God. Amen. You don't have to believe what I'm teaching, but I'm telling you as the leader of the apostolic church uh, in Europe, uh, uh, Jesus alone is God. This is what we believe. Amen. And any other teaching is not from us. Praise God. It's not even sanctioned. We do not give platforms for such a teaching in Jesus. God bless you. We will pray. God will help us. Hallelujah. There has been one mind, one spirit, one faith, one baptism, one doctrine. First Timothy 4.16 says, take heed to yourself, your behavior, and the doctrine. By doing so, you will both save yourself and them who hear you. 
I don't want people to hear something which will kill them, will take them to hell. So I'm correcting today, I'm saying, my hands are clean in Jesus' name. This is what we believe. That we have not changed one word that Bishop Tekle taught me. Amen. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Let's all pray in Jesus' name.